0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by the new film Trophy, a documentary that explores the dramatic relationship between big game hunting and wildlife conservation, debating what is right, what is wrong, and what is necessary in order to save the world's species from extinction. Critics are raving that Trophy is mind-bending, jaw-dropping, and the next Blackfish. Join the controversial conversation when Trophy opens in New York theaters this Friday, L.A. on September 15th, and expands nationwide soon. Opening weekend Q&As with the filmmakers and special guests will take place in both New York and L.A. Cheers.
2: Happy Toronto, Eric.
1: Welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Critic, joined by Anne Thompson, our editor-at-large, and I'm sitting in her hotel room on the opening night of the Toronto International Film Festival as we gear up for the heaviest festival load of the year. We're still kind of re-acclimating from uh, Telluride, where we saw the first round of big fall season movies and caught up with a few others, so we kind of have to unpack Telluride as we gear up for Toronto. It's a really interesting kind of transitional moment because we saw a good amount of fall movies, some of which were also premiering at Venice, and now we have a few more things to see, but we've certainly learned a lot since the last time we convened on the first day of Telluride, so we should talk about that a little bit first. And how would you say that the awards season and the fall movie season as a whole has sort of... Change now that we've seen a couple of movies at Telluride.
2: All right, so I was going through my sort of best picture list and trying to figure out what really emerged out of Telluride as a real best picture contender. Right. It's one thing to have some actors... Like, Emma Stone could definitely be in the best actress race for Battle of the Sexes, right. but I'm not sure Battle of the Sexes, which, by the way, is excellent and commercial and entertaining. It's a
1: very solid crowd-pleaser with a progressive feminist Absolutely. agenda. Absolutely. It has
2: lots of, of, of meat to the bones, but that doesn't mean it's got the gravitas to go all the way right. to Best Picture. I
1: haven't talked to anybody that doesn't who's doesn't mean like,
2: there's anything wrong with it.
1: No. Well, that's a, that's a tough disclaimer to put out there. I mean, I've heard a lot of people who have basically said as much about this movie, you know, it's the little Miss Sunshine gang doing the Billie Jean story. But I don't
2: mean to diminish it because yeah, what they fine. did was really hard. But I
1: haven't heard anybody say that they like the movie as much as they think that it works. You know, it's totally that's sad. It's
2: fair, fine. and that's exact. That does that does describe the way people are talking about it, which is the double-edged sword of Oscar season, right? Where you have a perfectly good movie that is entertaining and has intelligence, and took a lot of hard work to make. As 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 entertaining as it is, but also you have the shoals of gender politics. You have a woman like Emma Stone playing Billie Jean King, who existed and still showed right. up in Telluride, and she
1: got a bigger standing ovation than Emma Stone did. But of course. Emma Stone but, just won her Oscar, Oscars. But so no, you that. we're not
2: talking about... She's not going to win another Oscar, but she's, I think she might have a shot in a very competitive race because she's very good. She's very moving. There's this hidden love story going on. There's this whole thing where she can't come out. She can't right. say she's a lesbian. She cannot reveal that she's in love with a woman. Her husband is like fronting for her in an interesting way it's a very complicated uh interesting uh story but 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 at the same time there's this entertaining circus show going on with with uh with 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 Riggs
1: so it seems like Searchlight kind of gets that 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 it's they're not going into the fall season assuming this is their big heavy hitter but it's kind of hard to assess what is the other one that the, the uh, Fox Searchlight had was *The Shape of Water*. That is so. an
2: interesting case too, because you have Guillermo del Toro at the top of his form, one of his best movies ever. It's an art film. It's a fantasy. It's I don't know. It's one of his story. best movies ever. I could Except argue that. up there with *Pan's Labyrinth*, I think. I, I mean,
1: I love *Devil's Backbone*. All those '90s it's movies. It's in that vein of yes. his
2: yes. It, It's his, his aesthetic, sort yes. of
1: unvarnished yes. in a way. Yeah, and,
2: and, and in English with yeah. movie stars, yeah. you know. I mean, it's it's not entirely. Devoid of a commercial sensibility, he's he's done this very interesting um, molding of a kind of '60s Man from U.N.C.L.E. spy plot yeah. with this you know cold cold war kind of you know anti alien. Uh, thing well
1: in a univer- the thirties Universal monster movies, it's Creature from the Black Lagoon, with who the clearly romance. inspired
2: yes, yeah. as he admits, along with Douglas Sirk, yeah. and in the nineteen sixties. But then he's created this beautiful woman played by Sally Hawks. Who is not your obvious uh, femme fatale at all? And she's a she's playing a janitor. She's very much uh, a a creature that is invisible. Mm -hmm. Well, she can't
1: speak, and she can't speak for another. Except for one scene that's not worth spoiling.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean the performance itself, the the so-called gimmick of the performance is actually quite fascinating because, of course, she's not playing a British woman, so we don't have to bother with the accent thing. But it's also it's very evocative and the, and the way that she bonds with this creature she discovers i think that part of the movie works quite well it's That's still... my
2: favorite part of the movie and richard jenkins' character is very important because he is her neighbor they are both lonely he's gay they're both unfulfilled uh, they're both poor they're both under you know downtrodden and yet they build this lovely life, escapist life, behind the closed doors. Beautiful. The opening shot of the movie is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And, of course, when we
1: saw it, it was pouring rain outside the and Warner Herzog region. I saw Guillermo del Toro's, like, you know, mammoth figure get up in the crowd to tell somebody to turn it up, you know, in the first couple of minutes. But I thought it was like, we were all into it. It was like 4D, you know. It, was like it really filmmaker was. certified. Because
2: basically the, 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 the premise of the movie is, is that... Is that we are uh, these two characters are um, uh, tuned into each other who love water and and that first uh, sequence is, is is a dream.
1: So there's no question. And this, it's is this
2: incredible set that that, that we're yeah. talking about. I mean,
1: you could tell as we talk about it though. It's it's a more. It's a more exciting movie to talk about than Battle of Sexes in certain kinds of ways, but it's also, a, in other ways, it's a tougher sell. It's, it's uneven. It's trying a lot of different You're things. You're the film
2: critic, work. Eric. You don't have to worry about whether this movie sells or not.
1: Well, are I you? do. I do worry because I, because I want people to check it out, but I also, you know, I want these kinds of adventurous stories to be successful, but I am also sort of curious about how much people are going to take a risk on a movie like this Versus something it's more middlebrow. I
2: guess I'm being know? a little. Um, I, I want the, I want the critics to help this movie. I I, I think they will. Um, but you could. Uh, what What you're saying is that the movie is is rarefied and unusual and not entirely uh, generic at all. And right. and and so even though it does have a slight genre element that I think Fox Searchlight is going to use in the marketing sure. to help sell it, which is the Michael Shannon bad guy
1: yeah versus probably the weakest element in the movie I agree because
2: we've already seen Michael Shannon play this yeah. bad guy and he does it well it's not a fa- any fault of his was, he was cast it's kind of a blunt character type though. yeah and so and so then you have Michael Stolbarg being the 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 uh his opposite his his he's trying to fight for the fight for the aliens <laughs> So Well-being. But
1: but the thing is, so you talk about a movie like The Merman, like the Aquaman. Yeah, this movie is trying stuff in a way that I think is exciting, even when it's it's not totally successful. But when I see something like that, you know, within the 24-hour period that I'm also seeing Darkest Hour, it just kind of leaves me under the assumption that more people want a Darkest Hour movie. Gary Oldman is Winston Churchill. Sold. You know, I watched the trailer afterwards, and I was like, yep, that's the movie. I think that's sort of the status quo right. to me. So
2: I've been thinking about Darkest Hour, too and i've been thinking about why it works so well and why we're responding so well to it. There is a faction of people who are just looking at something like Victorian and Abdul and, you know, Darkest Hour, the British period historical both focused features, by you know, a very very soft um, uh, sell to the academy, but i think Darkest Hour is hitting us at the right time and um, I spoke to um, Anthony McCartan, the, the screenwriter, uh, who also happens to have done Theory of Everything. So this is a situation where the producer of Theory of Everything, who took that two working title, and they went, yes, we want this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a woman named Lisa Bruce, an American producer. Um, she worked with him on that, and then he had to choose what his next project was gonna be, and a friend of his, when he described Darkest Hour, and, and we—they were talking in terms of Britain at the time. They were talking in terms of Brexit, but it certainly applies to the United States as well. We need a leader. Right now, we need leaders.
1: Yeah, but the irony is when you hear, there are sequences in this movie where you hear them talk about Winston Churchill, and it sounds like they're talking about Trump,
2: right? Yes, because he's out of control. <laughs> and they see him as an he was, actor. He's just not said, entirely yeah, exactly. uh, playing by the rules. And, and then he becomes his leader. Volatile. And I was like, I hope we
1: don't make this into a Trump thing where we have to now see Trump as Winston Churchill no, or something. God, no. That would be a terrible award season there. He was
2: a well-educated, <laughs> and he used the power of language in a way that no one else has ever... He's a good speaker. He was giver. an orator. He it,
1: and, and Oldman is good at doing that, and it was crazy to see him introduce the movie, this this scrawny, you know, older guy, and then you see him, you know, as, as Hefty Churchill. You know, it's, a, it's a total transformation. He is the movie. That
2: will be another... <laughs> yeah, but you can... Just in Oscar terms, I mean, I'm sorry, but this is what we we do. Just in Oscar terms, best picture, best director, best screenplay... Best actor. It was made for best that. Best supporting actor: Ben Mendelsohn, an Australian, playing King George, who happens to look like King George. Right. This is the same character that was in the Stuttering. The King's, King's speech. speech. Right. And, and in the Crown. Right. You know, played by Jared Harris. We
1: are just obsessed with we, this guy. We, the we love
2: these roles. Okay, so and, and, but it's a it's a part of that story I didn't know. At least as an American, I didn't know that he was sure. like, so anti Winston Churchill. And of course,
1: there's the Dunkirk connection. This is the back. Is. So we get the
2: whole backstory and the whole thing that sets up the uh, the other movie, and of course, there's going to be a lot of of. Oh, wh- which one is going to get you know? Is this the battle of the World War Two movies? Is it Dunkirk right. versus Star Are Stark they complementary
1: or? or does one take the wind out of the sails? I of the think Earth. they're
2: both equally fabulous.
1: Dunkirk is more my kind of movie, but then I told I told that to somebody else, and they're like, "How do you think that that movie doesn't have a screenplay? So that's the essential. That divide. is
2: bullshit. No, but that, that is, is the- such." Bullshit. but but this one is the is a essential divide movie, and the other is an action movie
1: exactly I, there's but it's, i think the the no one is, is more the other one is equally
2: cinema cinema all the well, way well
1: they they're cinema in different innovative. kinds of ways right i mean what's interesting about uh darkest hour even though i, I didn't, I wasn't particularly excited about it is that what Joe Wright is doing is trying to make things that aren't fundamentally exciting visually into something that's fun to watch. He you know, is people such a yelling at each other. I've
2: always been in his core. So, you know, yeah, this his, stuff there. This is great, and I loved it. He told me one of my favorite things in The Darkest Hour, and it's actually quite essential to the movie, is this idea, this concept, that Mr. Um, aristocrat, Winston Churchill, very removed from the day-to-day, admitted that he'd never been in in, in the tube, you know, underground, and he's sitting in his car looking out the window, and there are these amazing tracking shots where you see all the people walking by, the real people, the people that he's actually representing, and he... um, So Joe Wright admit, admits to me uh, at the Steinberg party uh, on Sunday night, he admits the to me... The house on the hill where everyone right. shows and, up. Yeah, he admits to me that he stole that from a Coen Brothers movie, the man who wasn't there. <laughs>
1: oh man, he shouldn't be st- telling too many people that, it'll just no, be seen as a thief. No, he's an honest
2: guy. Now all filmmakers do this. Sure, of know. course.
1: Different people borrow in different kinds so of ways. Both,
2: let's put, uh, not to, that's what, Dunkirk and Darkest Hour will be in the top five.
1: Right. Well, and I think it is interesting also from an award season campaign standpoint to look at this in terms of who's pushing it. It's focused features, right? They have the beguiled at can. That doesn't seem to be a no, movie that's still we knew in the that conversation. They have one more movie that we won't see for a long time, which is Paul Thomas Anderson.
2: Which is really Annapurna.
1: Right, but that has got this Daniel Day-Lewis performance we haven't seen yet, but it's supposedly his last one, so... But there's
2: a very weak field for best actor, so Gary Oldman is going to, you know, he's the one to beat, obviously... But um, Unless
1: it becomes a parody a sm- or something. There's a
2: relatively small field of actors at this stage. Unless this Christian Bale hostels movie gets picked up by somebody. Right. It's a $35 Rushed million dollar movie. And they did an interesting thing. Taking it to Telluride. Setting it up with the press. Getting the trade press to gush over Christian Bale's performance. And he
1: shows up there fat because he's going to play Carl Rove. Cheney or, 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 it, or Karl it, Rove. I'm sorry. Cheney. One of those awful guys.
2: So he's basically Dick Chaney, he's, you're right. he's basically um, looking for a buyer wants to get it out this fall and you know most of the I mean I've talked to a number of the distributors they're they're booked they're they're working
1: Well I heard that people saw it a few weeks before Telluride they did a buyer screening and it didn't go over super well and he he tweaked it a little bit So it sounds like the reaction on tell, at Telluride was not totally anticipated by some of the industry people who were already aware of the film and now it's playing in Toronto, so it has another chance. So I'm sure they it have built deals, up offers some steam. on the table. Right now, mm-hmm.
2: I hear it may go to Netflix, which it would be sort of counterproductive if, the, if if the Oscar is what they're looking for. But if they're looking to get their money back. Right, which that's is an easy another deal. another uh, question. I mean, that, I'm not saying Netflix is incapable of mounting an Oscar campaign. I'm saying it's unknown. At right, this stage. right. Of course, they have a few things. They, well, they know how to do docs, but they ha- this is the year that they're going to try to make Mudbound work, and that's in Toronto right. also.
1: Another one that's sort it's of cover being reintroduced. Big story and variety and, and all
2: that.
1: That's a real question. I mean, I was looking at the trailer for Mudbound. Not bad. It made me want to see it again. Good, you know, good. But it's, it's not a movie that, I think, could use the Netflix kind of uh, platform to get it out there. I mean, it's a movie that feels like it's kind of... It needs to be kind of this big screen kind of theatrical event movie on some level because it's a big old-fashioned period piece. I agree
2: with that, but at the same time, none of the other distributors stepped up to pay...
1: To, the to uh, the insane amount of money do, that they wanted and for do it. a
2: theatrical release and and mount because it, it would be risky.
1: Well, then the other movie that this and is dad. in the
2: wake of Birth of a Nation, which tanked for obvious right. reasons. Of course,
1: yeah, they but. didn't want to do the whole searchlight thing all over again. But then you have uh, the Angelina Jolie film we saw at Telluride first. They killed my mother, a father. Uh, uh, father, excuse me, because the father dies first, and um, that's a, that's an interesting one because. That is a that That's, Netflix a re- too. that's a, the Netflix too. And they too. paid for it. And yeah, that that movie is just such Coming a tough in. sell anyway because it's a foreign no language. No one else sold. would
2: have made that. No yeah. one else would have made that. And and the argument I mean, again, Ted Sarando stepped in and made the mudbound financiers whole. He gave them the money that they need. He didn't have to. No one was bidding against it.
1: Right. Right. He gave
2: them. That well, they bill.
1: have money to to play around but with. You. Let's be it, honest. It, well,
2: no. But he's also trying to send that message.
1: Right. Right. right, and and the movie is 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 really solid. And they're going to well. go for it. Well, what you're saying when they they're going to go for it is this could actually be a foreign language.
2: No, I was talking first. I was still talking about Mudbound. Netflix. Twenty-four million dollar movie. Again, Cambodian language. Every yep. rule in the book broken. She, she is a Cambodian girl. citizen. She's a citizen, so it could be the entry from Cambodia. It probably will be.
1: And it's got Rithy Pan as a producer, which is sort of Rizzi a mark of, too, of, right. of quality. There. And
2: she could and she could really she could really win foreign language if it's so good. It's such a good movie. And the, I saw it in a theater in Telluride, and it's a long movie. It's two hours sixteen minutes long, yep. and it's tough material. It's, but you're in the point of view of this lovely seven-year-old girl all the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's and what kind of helps the movie on some lot. level, is that it's it's a lot of sort of depictions of these atrocities, but it's, it's constantly her reaction it's, shots it's, in a way.
2: And, and she's so. lovely, and you care about her and her family, and you're really, really embedded in this experience in a very immersive way. And it's not... A, a, we've seen... Uh, Michael Chimino's Deer Hunter. That it's, this is equivalent to yeah, that. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think it's actually more sensitive than the Killing Fields or something to that effect, too, because it's, it's not westernized. sort of like that Christian
2: Bale, Werner Herzog movie.
1: Yeah, but again, not westernized. But we
2: haven't seen this before. There's no white people that's in this right. movie. That's right, that's right. We haven't seen that. And it. And it's an experience that we aren't necessarily familiar with at all. So to watch this little girl starving, working in the fields, having her family picked off in various ways... That we won't describe, um, going off to to fight and learn how to shoot and be part of a little army of children, it's it's sort of equivalent to some of the stuff that goes on in Africa too and other. Well, countries. I mean,
1: it's also very specific to Cambodian history. That's why I bring up Ridley Pond because it's sort of he has devoted his career to making films about this. But there's a limited exposure to it, and what Angelina Jolie has done, I think, on some level, is at least open the the door a little bit more for a movie like this to be. Notice and for the, for the history of that country to be a little bit more acknowledged by people in a way that's not, you know, sort of watered down. But this is going to so, be
2: a fascinating example of what Netflix can do and what their algorithms right. can achieve. With and, that and with, yeah, with Mudbound, it's Band kind Band, of it's, it's very, very interesting. interesting. Yeah. And it, it, we, we shall see how it, how it proceeds.
1: So we're heading into Toronto now, and there's a couple of different things to talk Well,
2: there's to one more Telluride one we need. Oh, okay, to let's do. not miss anything.
1: Oh, of course.
2: So you have Greta Ger- Gerwig. Uh, making her directorial debut. She's written before. She did Mistress America with Noah Baumbach, and she did Princess um, Ha, which was very autobiographical and very much her story as, as executed by, by Noah in black and white. But To be fair, mean, she also
1: has a co-directing credit right. on Nights and Weekends with Joe Swammer. But That's I don't know right. if that counts. That's right. no, <laughs> it does,
2: because she learned a lot all the way through, and she's been a serious writer all the way through.
1: Well, the the history, too, is that uh, Nights and Weekends was a, was a movie that apparently Noah Baumbach really liked, and then that, that sort of started that connection at some oh, level. So I think there is a, a longer story to be told about sort of the connection between the, these movies that were being made for like no money ten years ago, and where we are right now, oh, because it's... one of the movies that was Barry Jenkins' first film, Medicine for Melancholy, so he was back at Telluride this year and introduced her film. Right, so you right. have this generation I of know, people exactly. kind of coming in. I exactly. They all in.
2: support each other. Oh, well, and then there's Sean Baker out there with exactly. the Story Project, and, and they all root for each other. But, but back, back...
1: Lady Bird. Let's Lady talk about so that. So what I
2: want to say about Greta Gerwig is that all along I thought her personality, her voice as an actress, as a writer, she always popped for me. I, 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 I heard her. I, I saw her. It wasn't like she was just another actress, you know, popping along. And, and so when I wasn't surprised that Lady Berg emerged completely full-blown. And the thing about it is I went out to dinner last night with my daughter and another mother and her daughter. They're, the two of them are friends mm-hmm. from college. And we were talking, we were all talking about Greta Gerwig for a really long time. And, and it wasn't just, they haven't seen this movie yet. And it's like boyhood. It's one of these things that's so identifiable, and people oh, just relate to it. And they get up, they talk about it, and they take it out of the theater. That's what we were doing. Yeah. And I just have this feeling that it's going to ignite. The well, there's an underserved
1: female audience that's still the case and I saw this movie with my wife and she flipped for it and and was saying you know I'm a certain generation I can really relate to this movie it's a period piece about growing up in the early aughts the whole post 9-11 generation all that kind of stuff but I was thinking well I also really liked it because I just think it's really sharply written the emotions are there and Saoirse Ronan it's like She's on a certain level she's never been before. So I if don't we can agree both with that.
2: I think she was incredible in Brooklyn. Yeah,
1: but I think this is on another level. I don't think, I don't it, think because she it. has more to do. She she has to I move think more, may have talk been faster. more
2: challenging and more difficult. Well, this will
1: be an interesting way. one to argue but, throughout the season. But, but. I'm not, I, I,
2: you're just making this claim, this hyperbolic <laughs> claim. I, it is her best <laughs> performance. It, it is, you may uh, think so. I'll go
1: back to Brooklyn just I to verify Chester that. I think is Ronan
2: has been good before, but she's very good here. Well, I think Hannah is
1: underrated for what it's worth. <laughs>
2: but, but, so she's great. She's sort of playing a version of Greta. And then you have Laurie Metcalf as her mother. And I have to say, personally, that's, they, she nails the mother-daughter stuff so well. All
1: right, so if we were talking about awards, which A okay. 24 was here so last year with Moonlight. I think we could
2: get the, well, I don't know about if this is a big enough movie to, to go all the way to Best Picture, but it may be in the race. And I think if it's the one, it's the one. But it's, I think it'll get into Best Picture, director, writer, and I think um, Sersha and Laurie Metcalf
1: as well. Well, Tracy Letts is pretty good, too, for whatever that's worth. It's but a I guess smaller part. It's a smaller part. So that's pretty impressive. And, and A24, you know, they obviously are coming off of Moonlight. This is not as challenging a movie as Moonlight, if you think about it. Moonlight was sort of almost experimental in some ways. This is a crowd This blazer. is very
2: accessible.
1: So, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays. All right, so let's talk about Toronto. But we it may all-
2: play more for women than men. That's a, right. uh, and right. it may play younger as well. well you so know. we're dealing with the Academy here. Right. Well, but if it's but commercially actors successful. actors will love it. Yeah. They will.
1: Right, no question. It's and a writers. great cast. It's a great cast all across the board.
2: So actors and writers are also going to like a movie that's playing here in Toronto, which I happen to have already seen, which played in Venice, which is... Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Martin McDonough, this who's always got a great movie. kind
1: of twisted sense of humor, and Frances McDormand in the lead role. How so is she? She? Goes,
2: she goes all the way to Best Actress. It's an amazing performance. She's a lot. So the actors are going to love this movie. It's very dark, very angry character.
1: Awesome. It's incredibly. <laughs> Can't wait.
2: Cathartic, kind of acting out, really, really mad. And 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 I'm just... Um, and then she's she's going up against the town sheriff who's played by Woody Harrelson and one of his deputies who's played by Sam Rockwell and she's challenging them to do something about this murder of her daughter that has not been solved and it's a year that has gone by and she takes out these billboards to bring the whole thing to a head, these ads and it's, it's set in, in a rural southern community it is in Missouri, Missouri, but it is so good and well written and Funny and challenging and
1: angry. You know, I'm so curious about the way a movie like that will play here because it did premiere in Venice. reactions were sort of split. It seemed like it went over pretty well. Yeah, it did. You look at something like, just to to backtrack for a second, Downsizing premiered in Venice as the opening night film, and the reactions were mostly positive, and then in Telluride people were kind of like, eh, and now I'm talking to people who saw it today in Toronto, and they didn't even like it at all. I don't
2: think it's fair. I don't think it's fair to go, eh about downsizing.
1: Well, it was the definitely a very split to, reaction. And
2: is a dismissive thing to say. Downsizing is super super smart. It has all sorts of ideas on its mind. It is one of the most ambitious movies in that we're going to see Look, this year. Look, you game. never
1: get stupid from Alexander Payne.
2: No, and you realize that in that with his other movies and very many of them from Election through Sideways through Every, you know all these movies that he's made that have done so incredibly well. Um, what's the, you you realize how hard they were, and 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 he pulled them off. Mm-hmm. And in this case, you wonder if he quite pulled off. I what just he really like, when do. I was watching
1: the movie. I, I totally loved it. it as I sat with it. It's definitely got some flaws, but it's flaws that you can appreciate if you think about the idea of taking it pains. Vision of these sad, flawed characters, the tragic comedy approach, and applying it to a bigger satiric canvas, it's kind of cool. I mean, I'm really glad he made the movie. I got a lot out of it. So, you know, people will talk about this movie more. I don't think it's a total. Yeah, you know, no, I know. But, I, I, but I'm, what I'm saying is the reaction keeps here's changing.
2: Here's the thing. No, what happens, in the, again, the double edged sword, if you don't hit it all the way out of the park with right. a home run, and having everyone say, ah, oh, this is it. It's this a masterpiece. Is it. Then then, then you have this thing that's sort of plodding along, and we have to wait until December yeah. to see whether it plays with the public or not. And, yeah,
1: and they're not going to know what to make of this, this kind of buzz long now. yeah a gap between yeah. the fall gonna be, and tricky. December. It's going to be tricky, and it's not going to have the New York Film Festival push. So... Speaking of which, let's talk about Mother. That's as as we're recording right now. One movie that we have not seen. This is Toronto.
2: We're going to see this Venice. now. Yep. So
1: that so that's going to show up Sunday morning, nine a.m. or something like that. We get the P and I, and then it's going to open on Friday, uh, nationwide. That's a quick push. And the so stuff we're getting is. appears
2: to have had some kind of bug up his butt about not having the reveal come out.
1: Well, that's inevitable. I mean, it's just. You can't keep secrets once you show things to strangers. That's just not the kind of society we live in anymore. It's but not psycho. But it's an psycho, interesting
2: thing you know? because they seem to be. There does seem to be a trend where you have certain studios pushing things forward without. Um, Worrying about Oscars and and I think uh, Mother maybe well category. absolutely that,
1: I mean I think in some ways it's uh, Aronofsky uh, it's laid is, runner along, sure. you know. Aronofsky Dunkirk is better was initially served done by that way. well I think unless he's making the wrestler a very sturdy kind of character driven thing that's grounded in a, a world we can recognize he's better served by staying outside of that because he he's, he shoots in a million directions at once I mean some of these kind of auteur types I think they're kind of hurt by the the awards season narrative because there are so many other factors no, that don't he, have to do with what they think about if
2: he hits the if he hits it right with which he did with the wrestler which he did with black swan then critics and oscars will help him out and make it better for him
1: right so it and sounds make like it,
2: make it you know make it something you have to see and natalie portman Helped him right with blackstone Black that Swan, made a big difference you know into something that because people, it was that a genre to see.
1: Movie. it was a it was it was sort of no I was but it was that, a hybrid it was, an it
2: art was film a it was a
1: highbrow very genre high, movie. very highbrow yeah. yeah but but it was interesting to see how it played to both sensibilities and that's a tricky thing to pull off so that's one thing that's sort of left for us but outside of that there's 255 movies in the Toronto International Film Festival lineup it's not really at this point about. You know, sort of emboldening award season narratives. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff. Yeah, so Superbuccan is interesting. That one is that's another one coming over from Venice. I would not call that an award season movie at all. Um, It's kind of an interesting fusion because it's co-written by George Clooney, Grant Haslov, and the Coen Brothers. Clooney directed it. Uh, I wouldn't say it's his best. That's still Good Night and Good Luck. But it's an it's an interesting movie. It's like Pleasantville people, by William Fargo do. or something. Some,
2: some people do like the 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 other political one that he did with Ryan Gosling. The, the, sure, Ides of March is the, there, yeah, there. There's some the stuff going on there. Wrote, yeah. I mean, it would be interesting to go back and look the at House that movie now guy. and see if
1: it's sort of yeah aged at all you know it's like it seemed so savage back then so he's not Uh, in his
2: political sweet spot well it's weird
1: it's like this 50s americana satire with a racial component but then it kind of devolves into a crime gone wrong story that may as well be set in 50s americana so it's not as meta as you think it is at first but matt damon who's also the star of downsizing is very good as this kind of bumbling character who's trying to get away with murder so he can run off with this woman and his son kind of picks up on it and things go wrong. Um, so the, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I, I saw the flaws. It's not a movie that's going to work for people across the board. So it, doesn't, it didn't feel like a big commercial movie. It didn't feel like an awards movie, right, but so there's something there. What do you think
2: about how Matt Damon is going to be treated in these two films? So he's got
1: two movies. He's very good in both of them. But both of them seem to be dividing people, and it doesn't feel like he's doing things we haven't seen him do before. I agree. So it's I think, it's a I challenge. He,
2: I think it may not. Happen they could for cancel him. each other out I on agree. some level. I agree. So.
1: But I, just before we he was go... so
2: good in The Martian.
1: There's no question about it. and He's a great actor, he but, it, but he, but but he's a tough sell when he's overexposed in well, movies that Well, we also aren't, have you know. movies that
2: are heading into the comedy arena, and sometimes yep. that can yep. be a, a They're hard. both comedies. That can hurt you with Oscars.
1: They're both comedies in great kinds of ways, but they're not The Big Sick or something, which also has the, you know, the heart in a different kind of you way. You know, you so. and I
2: are both very high in The Big Sick and very convinced that it's going to happen as an Oscar contender, but I have to tell you, other people look at me and sort of raise their eyebrows, really.
1: Well, that's a movie that has to be reintroduced to people on some level. I mean, it it feels like it was a summer phenomenon, so I'm sort of curious. Well, what's going to the of the summer. We should talk about Call Me by Your Name, which is also being reintroduced to people after its Sundance debut, which well, was, a was a million years question, ago.
2: Because that's such a that is such a. It popped out of Sundance partly because it wasn't an emerging American Indian. Yeah, it, it was like a major art director, Lucas Guadagnino. sophisticated, Italian Old school art film, written
1: by James Ivory, 90 elegiac, years old.
2: Very very much the, the summer of nineteen forty two. Yeah, but to something. be fair, also super gay. So <laughs> in that case <laughs> it's about falling in love with Army Hammer. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and, and Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet is, great. is the American. So that that's a movie that seems He's like it's gonna get a nice bird push.
2: also playing yeah. a very different character. No
1: he he is the the, He's it the
2: new kid. it boy. He's
1: yeah. totally breaking out. So that's a movie that's gonna get a little tiff boost. He's pushy. on
2: billboards around the city here. Yeah
1: that and Mud
2: photographs.
1: There's a couple of things. movies that we already know about that are getting the tiff boost and we've talked about the movies that are here that are totally new. So outside of all that, you just have like a lot of extra stuff that's not award season, that's not necessarily even well, going we're gonna to be, be talked about gonna, that I'm way. I'm going to
2: catch up with Hostiles. Um, other people are going to catch up with the Paul Schrader uh, movie, First Reform. First Reform, which, which is good. First is for sale. I, I will
1: plug uh, The Death of Stalin, which is Armando Iannucci's first feature since In the Loop. It's a great, vulgar political satire like you've seen on Veep, but. It's about the death of Stalin, and it's a bunch of uh, Soviet Union types with Cockney accents arguing over his corpse and, and backstabbing and, and stuff. So it's got a great satiric element, but it's not, it's not coming out until next year. I see films so, as it yeah, you know,
2: I saw so. Lean on Pete and Telluride with uh, Andrew Haig, which is very good. And I, uh, there were two horse movies in a row. How programmed at the Chuck Jones. The other one was called The Rider. Well, it is, Jean, it is. the Mountains. which so. is which is the which was a hit in can and and Sony has it, and it's going to go out. It's, it's an interesting movie because it's it's an American movie, even though the woman who directs it comes from Beijing and and went to NYU and has been all over the place. Um, but this this movie. Uh, uh, it has some very powerful uh, proponents, including uh, Inuritu and, and many others. Yeah. And it's a remarkable, unusual movie you've never seen before. Yeah, I
1: liked it. It's, it's, a, a, it's a documentary
2: a, it's, hybrid. It's very yeah, it's very cinematic,
1: thing. amateur performance. So there's so much Along stuff Wormwood, like this. Along
2: with Wormwood, by the
1: way. Yeah, Wormwood. From Wormwood, Wormwood Air Force. is also a hybrid. Yeah, and so you the, saw that. Yeah, right? I did see. I thought Wormwood was fascinating. It's Maybe the most interesting kind of gamble that Aramis has made for a long time. Thing. Yeah. So, you know, the the thing that's interesting about Toronto, I think, is that you, ha- you go into, especially going to Telluride, with so many obvious things and then a few other things that kind of stand out. And then we might discover a few things along the way. But when you start at this point where you've seen so much stuff over the weekend, it's sort of like you feel like you've kind of conquered it. Before you get started. So we'll see where we wind up in a week because no, we're we not gonna see, see everything. We gotta I see mean.
2: Molly's game, the Aaron Sorkin, Jessica Chastain. I'm very curious about that. Um, yeah we'll see.
1: So a lot of stuff to talk about but I'm sure that next time that we reconvene we'll have a totally new sense of, of what we need to get through assuming that we're still awake.
2: Alright I know you want to end, I know you're trying to wrap this up, but I will say that the good thing about Toronto is also listening to what other people like and then following that buzz. Sure,
1: you feel like you're one that's step ahead what of people. I like. You feel like you're one step ahead, and then and we're, they spreading, suddenly the surprise the we're spreading the We're
2: spreading the buzz, and that's good, but but there will be things that, that break here, and that's what's. Oh my god, all and you're
1: right. reminding me, I have to tell people to go see Foxtrot, which is oh, this yeah. great Israeli <laughs> film from and Samuel And the insult Lowe's. you liked also. The insult is okay. Of the two Middle Eastern films that were at you Red, the insult I thought was okay, a little heavy handed, but Foxtrot is just a beautiful. Uh, surprising movie, it's sort of a, a sort of a deadpan satire about the Israeli military. But that's all I'll say because I don't want to spoil all the different things that happen in it. it. Doesn't have distribution yet though, so if anybody who's at Toronto is listening, I hope they go see it and, and spread the word because it deserves to get out there. So anyway, um, until next week, talk to you soon.
0: Plus.